This is the Servers Radio Network. Welcome to this edition of A Server's Journey with Rocky DeStefano. The premise of the show is that everyone is leading something or someone. Whether you're a parent leading your family, a coach leading a team, a team member leading a few, or a CEO leading an organization, we all are on a path to being a leader. Thus, the title of the program is A Server's Journey. Thanks, Larry, and I hope that everyone listening will take this leadership journey with us. And as we do on Wednesday, this is the Deep Dive Day. Today we're going to talk a little more on what I would say is finding the right job for me, learning about the characteristics of being a leader. But first, before we get started in our deep dive, today we're going to share another story of an epic moment in leadership. Epic moments in leadership. All right, so today we're actually going to hit and highlight a positive leadership it's good that we have a yin and a yang. That's exactly right. That's the point. So today we're going to start right at the basis, the formation of our country. And we're going to talk about George W. Wa- <laughs> Wait, is it George W. Washington? Uh, George Washington. It's not. not a, he's not a Bush. He's well, a, you know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yes, George Washington. Okay. So um, he had just won. So he basically took an army and a nation that was tiny with no real discernible armed forces. They created this great uh, army of nobodies and castoffs and took on the big guy on the block, the bully in the world, which was England. Mm -hmm. And then they win. Didn't he do that for not a salary? Yeah, absolutely. For not a salary. That doesn't sound right, but he did that he did that did gratis. For, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so they shockingly, surprisingly, and a, a lot through his decisions that he made in leadership while uh, the war was going on, they, they win. They, they win this <laughs> war. So the American people, of course, they anoint him as the first leader, right? And we call it president. Yes, and he did not want that. No. They he, first wanted to make him a king, right? And, and that is what we're going to talk about. So okay. after... Four years, he uh, they hold another election, and he gets elected for four additional years. And then there's this movement where you're right, Larry. There, the public is saying, "Hey, we got a good thing going here. Let's anoint him as king." And so the leadership lesson he taught us is to know when to say goodbye. And so he refused. He refused to be anointed a king, and he basically, in a, a triumphant, amazing farewell address, said. Hey, America, I'm going to teach you how to say goodbye. And he stepped down and said, no man should be a king. And at that point, it was shocking to everybody, including the king he had just beat, because Mm -hmm. uh, the king of England actually said that was a, a showing of his true character. That's it. That's a pretty good decision he made there. So being a servant leader means sometimes you step down. That's right. Yeah, sometimes you do what's best for the company or the country, and sometimes that's stepping away and letting new blood and new voices take charge. If you have an example of something that someone's led you in, at the bottom of our website, you can give us a comment. We'd love to hear from you, or wherever you subscribe. There's so many places to to make comments. Make a comment. We want to hear from you. Fat Washington had it all together. Well, it took a lot to put it together, that's for sure. (laughs) 
So we're going to get started today, Larry. And you know, I want to share that with the current war on talent, the ways that we used to do business that were once universally accepted, they're just outdated and inflexible. So what were some of those? What are some of those outdated ways of doing things? You know, I, I think when I was coming up, it was, you told me to do it and I'll do it. I yeah. will blindly follow you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that just doesn't doesn't work anymore. And, and I think it's a lot of reasons. You know, we, we're in an age where knowledge drives the economy and we've got a bunch of socially responsible corporations and it's starting to influence our team members and our public appearance. And if you think about it, this was bound to happen. You know, there's new priorities and responsibilities and we're beginning to create an environment where servant leadership is flourishing as a management tool. That must be very good. I, I hope, yeah. I think it's it's definitely the right path. And and here even more smart organizations, they're creating this culture and using it as a cornerstone to build a structure that is based on stewardship, empowerment, and trust. And this was really, it, it's not a new term, actually. It's a very old term. Uh, in the business world, Robert K. Greenleaf, he officially coined the term servant leadership in 1970. And he began to believe that an organization could nurture the spirit of its employees and still make a profit. He had a seminal book called The Servant as Leader, and he was really the first one to bring this idea to the public, to the business world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's a better example, Larry. What's that? Well, if we look at leadership styles, servant leader was first shown by Jesus in the New Testament. Hmm. And, uh, you know, at Chick-fil-A, we talk a little bit about Chick-fil-A. There is an attribute that we look for, and we call it second-mile service. And Define that. Okay, so you have to understand that in Jesus' time, Israel was ruled by the Romans, and it was Roman law that a Roman soldier could walk up to you and he could say, here's my backpack, carry it. And it was the legal responsibility. In fact, they'd be breaking the law if they didn't pick up the backpack and follow the Roman soldier. And, and these weren't backpacks like, uh, you know, man purses. These <laughs> right. were, you know, these weighed 80, 90 pounds probably. They, they were quite heavy. And uh, so the citizens had to carry it for an ephod, which is basically a mile. And Jesus actually said, don't carry it one mile because if you carry it one mile, you're just abiding by the law. You're not doing anything special. So carry it a second mile to show that you are truly a servant. So Jesus, time and time again, proposed that we treat others much higher than we treat ourselves. Thus, yeah. second mile service came about. And, and really servant leadership. Yeah. So although it has taken four decades for Greenleaf's philosophies to have a real influence on mainstream management, a number of companies uh, that are riding really high on the Fortune 100 best companies to work for have, have begun to adopt these principles, and they're having great effect, and they're building great cultures. Well, you know, I think one of those is right here in the south, southern area, which is Publix. Yeah, absolutely. Which they is have a, great a supermarket. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and what, what we're finding with them is how they treat their people. The employees are, are coming first. And really, the leaders are beginning to facilitate their growth. Really, the leaders exist to facilitate their growth, both collectively and as an individual. So even though servant leadership is often misunderstood, 
I think it's probably because people find it confusing to have the words servant and leadership together. Yeah, right. To be to be a leader, people often mistakenly believe that one has to be the driving force behind the people that they lead. And this is partly true, Larry. <laughs> I mean, you know, research does tell us that to be an effective leader, you must have a certain motivation to lead. Uh, yeah. But, I, I was just thinking of this guy that I worked under once. Uh-oh. He had a 13, his shoe said it was 13, and he said if you didn't work hard enough, you would receive it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think those, that's uh, those the attitudes wrong are motivation, yeah. You know, the sad thing is there are still people like that, but um, thankfully I think it's becoming uh, the less and less of a trend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, servant leadership, it just requires a different approach. In addition to the motivation to lead, you must really also have a desire to serve both the employees and the organization. Do you have someone like that? Oh, gosh, I have a lot of people like that. I'm, I'm going to name one, and he's been with me for about 10 years. Um, he's, he's a quiet leader, but in everything he does, he cares more about the individual and the organization. So his hierarchy is always, is this helping the organization and is this helping the person? And if it is, that's where we're going to go. And he's a very, very quiet leader. But he, and his name is AJ. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, the, the servant leader, and he's one of them, he should feel a responsibility toward employees as individuals. And he also must have a sense of stewardship for both them and the company as a whole. Um, companies are starting to adopt servant leadership within their organizational culture, and they're beginning to give a lot of attention to developing environments and support structures that foster high levels of employee satisfaction. You know, I was amazed at the Fortune 100 best companies to work for. The one that was listed was called Salesforce. Right. And, you know, that's a company that probably not a lot of people are aware of. In fact, even I had to do a little bit of research on them, but they had become like zealous about uh, employee philanthropy, and they're just being very mindful of this culture. In fact, they call it Ohana, which is Hawaiian for family, and they have created entire floors celebrating people as being part of their work family. And, and then they've also kind of like done things um, for instance, they allow their people 56 hours a week. I'm sorry, geez, well, that would be great yeah. if we could find that much. <laughs> they allow 56 hours a year for their employees to volunteer in the community. And then they highly incentivize their people to bring other great people there. In fact, they have paid out $5.5 million in bonuses for bringing great people to the company. So being a servant leader can add certain value to not only you, but to the company as well. Yeah, and I think it's, again, it's the realization of people as individuals. We're going to talk about this idea of uniqueness mm-hmm. a whole lot, which mm-hmm. I think is it's a lot more important today than it was when we were coming up later. Well, there are like six keys to, uh, to this, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so what are those six keys? They start with empowerment and the development of people. That's one. Expressing humility, authenticity, interpersonal acceptance, stewardship, 
and providing direction. Okay, so let's dive into one at a time. Okay. Uh, how do you empower and develop people? Yeah, you know, so this has more to do with giving people in the workplace real responsibility, specifically for their own actions. So as a leader, when you empower your team, the servant leader is acknowledging the talent and the strengths that the team possess. And in addition, the servant leader must encourage employees in their actions and their personal growth. We're going to hear that a lot too, personal growth. Mm -hmm. So underlying empowerment is the acknowledgement that employees are not mere commodities, but that each is an individual in their own right. And that basically, this is a way to let them feel known for what they bring to the team. Well, I think a, a servant sometimes has to be humble as well, right? Well, it's like you're reading my notes, Larry. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about secondly would be humility. Mm -hmm. And um, a servant leader must acknowledge that they are neither all-knowing or all-powerful. Honestly, probably the employees have more knowledge and experience than they do. Is that true with you? Oh, for sure. So, so servant leaders in organizations are really, we're dependent on the knowledge of our team. And this is especially important as it is highly probable that the employees do indeed know more about their trade or their specialization than anybody else in the company. So by acknowledging, as a leader, by acknowledging our fallibility and our own limits to knowledge, the servant leader helps facilitate a learning environment. And it's really one in which employees can learn and develop through their own experimentation and by learning from others. And this potential, the potential for self-determination, it has a huge and powerful influence on the workplace, and it aids in the long-term fostering of that learning culture we're trying to get to. Well, some of the people that great leaders of the past yeah. have, have been this humbleness. Sure, absolutely. Like, who, who would you bring up? Well, I'm a little bit of a political nut. I, I, I love uh, just the study of it. And two that come to mind immediately are uh, Abraham Lincoln and Ronald Reagan. So Lincoln, you know, we know him historically as this amazing leader. And I think the greatest thing he did was he took people that honestly were some of his enemies politically. In mm -hmm. fact, he took several that were diametrically opposed to his way of thinking and he took some that were actually running against him in the primary and in the actual presidential election, and he took them and made them his cabinet. And what he got with that is, I'm sure he got a lot of arguing, I'm sure there was conflict, but he knew that in order to help the organization, which was America, he had to have these views, and he had to have people that knew more than he did. I read the book, by the way. It's a great book, it's by the way. It's great. It took, uh, how many, 900 pages, I think? Yeah, and you they know. go very quickly. Yeah. And then what about Reagan? So Reagan, uh, he's credited with so much. He's credited with the, the fall of Russia. He's credited with the tearing down of the Berlin Wall. And all those things are great. I think what he should be known for is, again, he took he created a team that was so intelligent that were experts in areas that he was not, and he was humble enough to actually accept their advice. And so there's a you know great story about somebody on his cabinet basically saying, 
Russia will always be an uh, enemy and will always be in this race unless we actually begin to build more weapons. They can't keep pace. They don't have the money. Mm -hmm. And so as they tried to, it actually led to the fall internally of Russia. But that would never have been done if it was just Reagan thinking about that. So listen to your people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Be humble enough to listen. Yeah. I remember the day that I was humble enough to listen. Uh Uh-oh. Tell me about this. Oh, yeah. It was just a simple thing, but my ego was getting in my way. But someone made a great suggestion. I said, yes, thank you. You know, and and you work together better that way. Yeah. You know, it's hard because you've got um, your own history and you know sometimes, hey, this won't work. But if you shut people down all the time, then you'll never get their ideas. And again, Mm. remember, we're hiring people to do something, but we get this free brain and we get to use that brain. And um, the more that you can allow them to experiment and and try things, yet some are going to fail, but some won't. And those may be the real differences in your company for the future. Well, how authentic does a leader have to be? Yeah, this is one that it, it, it's people struggle with this. But the servant leader must show very clearly to their team that not only can they be themselves, but also that they're in a work environment that genuinely encourages them and welcomes them to be themselves. To show authenticity, the servant leader must act with integrity. And so that takes a few things. Like what? Okay, so number one, they must do what they've promised. Um, and if you can't do what you promised, then go back and explain why and seek forgiveness, number one. They have to show consistency in their actions and their morality. And they have to be true to themselves and the spirit of leadership, the principles that they preach. They have to be true to those principles. Um, the benefit, though, of authenticity is that ultimately it supports and reinforces the values of the servant leader. That's good. So if a servant leader is this, what about personal acceptance of the leader himself? Okay, so part of authenticity, and we talked about this culture, right, where you can be yourself, right, which Mm -hmm. is really important. Um, But interpersonal acceptance is really the ability to understand, as a leader, I have to understand, I have to experience the feelings and the motivation of the team, and that is very essential in building a servant leadership culture. Empathy and forgiveness, they have to go hand in hand. Does that make sense? What about forgiveness? Okay, so forgiveness is particularly important because you must have a culture in which it's accepted that people are human and they are, they will, and they do make mistakes. But by accepting employees as individuals, The servant leader, he shows that he understands and he appreciates them. And even more importantly, and here's this word again, he appreciates their unique perspective. And again, that allows people to feel that they matter. You know, my grandfather always said, if you don't fail three times, you haven't moved forward. Yeah, absolutely. I tell you what, that's good too. And and, and here's the weird thing that I've noticed, and we'll get off a little bit off the path, but my my father-in-law worked... For years, he retired from John Deere. He, he retired 
um, big, I think it was 30 years. Big or more. green out there Sorry, in big, Iowa. Big green. And he yeah. is, I mean, it's crazy. He loves John Deere. But mm-hmm. even now, if, if, if we see a tractor, he's stopping to look at it. Um, and he feels like his uh, personality in some ways was tied into this organization, John Deere. That's kind of really what sustained him, and that's what allowed him to work all that time for them. And they must have been a good company. But people are, are a little bit different. All of us are a little bit different in that, yeah, we do care about the organization, but it's more about our unique contributions to the organization. That's more important than it ever has been. So that's just a thought here. So how much leadership uh, is given to provide direction? You know, how much do you have to, how much do you have to tell them what to do? Yeah. I, you know, we talked about this in a previous podcast, um, but knowing what is expected is is a huge benefit for the team and also for the organization. We have, we've talked about this. The team must know what they're working for. What is a win? To provide direction, the servant leader must make work dynamic and it, it, he must make it tailored, he or she must make it tailored to the abilities and the needs of the employees. So let me give you an example. Yeah. So we talked about our organization and our mission statement is to make their story better. Yes. Which I love. Even now, it still gives me shivers when I think about that, which a good mission statement, it I think it kind of should, it's very aspirational. It's weird because you're not selling chicken. That's right. No, not at all. In fact, we have the ability to make everybody's story better. But what does that mean? So I have a team of people, we call them the talent team. And I, I probably in the old days, we'd call it HR, but we like to shine it up a little bit. So they are in charge of constantly searching out and finding the talent that runs our organization. Okay, so what is a win for them? Because make their story better it sounds good, but it has to be more personal. Mm-hmm. So for the talent team, they might say, and I think they do say it, I'm going to tip my hat here. <laughs> <laughs> they make the story better by bringing the right people in who have these attributes and while they work for us, we have to make that chapter one of the best chapters in their life, in their story. So that's a win for them. They know that if somebody comes and works for us and in two years they graduate from college and they leave on to a better job, that's a win. Because that made, we had a hand in that chapter. And you always have this phrase, talent in transition. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they're looking for, right? Yeah, because you realize in my industry, I'm not going to retire many people. They're probably going to transition. I have a lot of uh, of the team that's 18 to 25. I understand, like 75% of your workforce is like that age group. Yeah, and they're a great team, and they're a great age, but one of our biggest uh, goals is how do we continue to make them grow? They have to fill that. So, you know, can that I is what it can is. I just say I've been around you for what ten years, fifteen years, whatever? Yeah. And it seems like a lot of the people that you grew and they talent in transition, they left, but they came back. Is it because of you finding they finding the right job at the right place? So here's the great thing about this, and this has not been, I like to say that I wrote it out in my 15-year plan, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I lucked into it. My organization has grown to where when they first started, they might have started as a 16 or 17-year-old person, 
and I was doing a set volume, but now the volume is so much more and we're about to hopefully have a second store. So suddenly my organization can compete with a lot of organizations that in the past we would never have competed with. So we can pay more than a teacher or a police officer or a firefighter. We can pay even even getting to the point where, hey, can somebody make six figures? So what, you, what we're having is some people that grew up in our system that loved it, that they felt like they were treated with honor and dignity and respect. Now they're actually like, I love that chapter of my life. I'd like to go back and actually write some chapters for kids that age now. Oh, by the way, I can actually live and support my family and have a great life. So it wasn't a plan and I didn't write it out. Uh, I lucked and fell backwards into it, but I will accept it. I'll take it. Fantastic. You know, you've mentioned stewardship. Yes. And, you know, I think of stewardship as someone has to give money. Yeah. So give something like that. So what does the stewardship have to do with finding the characteristics? So, you know, I, I think that we definitely steward money. That's part of it for sure. And any company, I mean, that shouldn't be your mission statement to make money, but it is an important component because otherwise you're a really great ministry or a charity for about a year and then you're out of business. Mm. But there's other aspects of uh, stewardship and that's influence. It's, you know, taking responsibility for the larger institution and focusing on things like service instead of just control and just self-interest or profit. You know, leaders have to act not only as caretakers, but also as role models for others. And if I set the right example, then the leaders with me can can stimulate others to act in, in a common interest. So in the end, it does lead to profit if it's done well, but it's not for profit. It's really that stewardship issue. So let's just review the six points of character leadership here okay so we had the first one was empowering and developing people Mm -hmm. second was humility Mm -hmm. Uh, we had authenticity Mm -hmm. interpersonal acceptance we have providing direction and then last we had stewardship fantastic so you know you can re-listen to the podcast if you miss some of these points sure rocky will be here again he can tell you these all over again all you have to do is just push the replay button. ever and ever and ever <laughs> and ever you know at, at this point in the podcast usually what we do is we do this one or that one yeah you know and so i thought we'd kind of turn the tables here oh, no. and say Rocky, we're going to do this little segment called This One or That One, and you need to answer these questions, okay? This truly is a surprise. Uh Uh-huh. Now, okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of things, and you're going to say yes, I like, or no, I don't. All right. So the first one is fish or steak? Oh, gosh, steak. Uh, I'd like to tell you, and my health would definitely like me to say fish, you've got to give me a good steak. (laughs) Okay, the second one would be coffee or tea? Oh, all right. So I do like tea. I think more than liking tea, I like the idea of tea. Be, but the reality is I need coffee. seems like every time I drink tea, it goes through me so fast. Coffee stays in me longer. I yeah, don't know the difference. I, mean, I think I feel more important when I'm drinking tea, but the reality <laughs> is I need coffee. Well, don't tell me you had those little coffee, those little teacups. Oh, no. Yes, I do. We have girls in my house, and I mine have had a tea party or two. <laughs> 
And you've been invited, I oh, take I've it. I've been invited or I've crashed, either way. <laughs> okay. Now, what about Steven Spielberg or Walt Disney? Yeah, my wife is a Disney girl. Uh, that is her happy place. And so that is my happy place, too. Uh, Walt Disney, mm. for sure. Mm. Now, what about Star Wars or Harry Potter? Okay, this is odd because I grew up as a Star Wars geek and mm-hmm. very proud, very self you know, professed Star Wars geek, I'm going to have to say Harry Potter. There's something about the idea of having magic Hmm. and being able to cast a spell that it, it would be a really cool thing. (laughs) (laughs) I guess dangerous. I've just, but I've been able to watch the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah. Like maybe, I don't know, a fourth of the way in and I, turned it off so yeah uh harry potter exists to me because i read the books first and i actually read the books because i was trying to make sure they were okay for my young daughters to read who were desperate to read them Hmm. and uh i i became to love the stories and the characters and uh yeah if you read the books first you are hooked okay now here's one this is a tricky one for you okay on sunday i'm prefacing this on sunday would it be ihop or waffle house See, I left out the because you're closed on Sunday. So yeah, I, you, you, I, I'd like to say IHOP because it would make me international. Oh, but, uh, but you'd no, go to it's Waffle? Waffle House, and if you give me hash browns scattered, smothered, and covered, and if you don't know what that is, stop right now. Get in your car, go to Waffle House, and ask for hash browns scattered, smothered, and covered. Whoa! And uh, it is still one of the true a- anywhere that you can. Uh, watch somebody cook while smoking a cigarette. It, it, it just reminds me of my youth. So, now isn't it true that true Kathy actually started in a restaurant similar oh, yeah. to Waffle House, and it, yeah. it was what yeah, do you call it a Chick-fil- diner? Yeah, when he built Chick Fil A, uh, he started at a dwarf house, which was a Waffle House. Basically, that was really what he thought was the trend. And I think he realized pretty quickly it wasn't. But yeah, we have Chick Fil A's that are still diners. Hmm. Okay, now one last question. Would you rather call or text? Oh, I'd much rather text. Okay. Next time I try to get a hold of you, I know what to do. <laughs> I think that most of my real friends know it's quicker to text me than to call me. My, my real friends. I'm yeah. not sure if I know where I'm at there. Okay, one simple question here for you. Uh, what's your favorite um, Bible verse or quote, or do you have a favorite leader? Yeah, yeah Um so there's a lot of leaders that I really admire a lot, um, and I would have to say that it po- politically, probably George Washington was there um, for sure. If you read some of his, you know, public addresses, in fact, if you read his farewell address, it's probably the most well crafted um, speech I've ever ever read. Hmm. So he's definitely somebody I admire. But I try to live um, my life around Philippians uh, four six, which it says having confidence of this that he who began a work in me will carry me to completion at the day of Christ Jesus so that's always given me hope mostly because it shows that we're on a journey and we're not complete and we're never going to be complete until Jesus comes back or we go to meet Jesus in heaven so I can fail so I don't feel so bad when I do 
So that's pretty much uh, the verse that I kind of live by. Wow. See, it's just great to get to know Rocky just a little bit better, right? Well, yeah, you get to know the public Rocky, you know. <laughs> the one I hide from others, maybe maybe, uh, maybe it's a little scarier place. Uh, but. Well, hey, let's do just do a quick review once again. All right. When you're talking about the characteristics of talent and trying to find a servant leader, what would be some of those points again? Empowering and developing people, humility, authenticity, interpersonal acceptance, providing direction, and stewardship. All right. Thanks for joining us here on A Server's Journey. Remember to subscribe to the podcast, and you'll hear all of what Rocky wants to share with you to be good leaders, learning to lead by serving. And if you're subscribing, you know this, you're going to be getting a server's journey moment, which is a quick pick-me-up to help start your day. Don't you love those? I do. Those are great idea, and and so you don't have to take a little time to listen. That's right, and we're going to be bringing in some on-air talent to give us some uh, other moments. Mm, great. So if you like what you hear here, tell a friend. Like us, share us on Facebook. And also, from time to time, Rocky has a great personal story that he'd like to share with you. And you can get those on the website at aservicejourney.com. So, Rocky, until next time, I'm your ever-faithful companion, Larry. So, now, who is uh, the Lone Ranger? So, you're my Tonto. To tonto. Lone... Yeah, tonto. So, er, so, every show, we're going to have one of those, I think, until I run out of ideas. But... Okay, well, there aren't that many. So. <laughs> no, there's not, but... <laughs> Hey, you know, again, we're all on a journey. I'm on a journey. You're on a journey. Yes. And the reality is I don't know much, but I'm willing to share what I've learned. And I want everybody to understand that no matter what you serve in, no matter what role or what type of leader you are, we're all on this journey. And that's why we're here. We're sharing a server's journey together. I'm Rocky DeStefano. I want to thank you for joining us as together we learn to be better leaders.